Hello, Kate. Hello, Spencer. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I really, actually, I really appreciate this a lot. It's 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 fun. I'm happy. It's my favorite topic of conversation. Talking um, about my job. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, explain to everyone because I I don't know if I can describe your job. You do everything. So, how would you describe your job? Um, we manage the chaplain office is in Paris, and um, we manage um, the rights and requests and um, licensing, merchandising. Um, concerts, film concerts with live orchestra. We, 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 we kind of are here to manage everything to do with Charlie Chaplin in the world. Obviously, a lot of things escape us, but we mm. are here to help. Um, and it's me and my assistant, Arnold, and we try and do the best we can. <laughs> yeah, and you do a great job as well. Huh? You do That's a very, very nice. sweet of you. <laughs> and so you, you've been working for the family a long, long time, haven't you? So when did you start? Um, I'm ashamed to say that I, my first uh, employment for the chaplain office was in November 1982. Wow. <laughs> so it's coming up for 40 years, though I did have a little gap um, when the office moved to Geneva for a couple, for two or three years at the, at the beginning of the 90s. Um, and then it came back again. So I got my job again, which was in fact incredibly convenient for me because I fell pregnant with twins and I wouldn't have been able to work anyway. And um, then the office came back just when the twins could go to school. So it was all perfect. It was as if it was made. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. And so how did you get the job? Um, well, in those days, it might be difficult for people to remember these days, but there were no, um, there was no internet. There was no, um, there were no faxes. Um, and I wrote a letter to a friend of a guy that my father vaguely knew who worked at the Chamber of Commerce, the British Chamber of Commerce in Paris. And um, he wrote back saying that he had a, a binder, a ring binder of people looking for work in Paris. And did I want him to put my CV in the ring binder? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> okay. And at the time, there was a very formidable woman called her name was Rochelle Ford, but I never called her Rochelle. I always called her Miss Ford, who was in charge of the chaplain office. And her assistant, Pam Pommier, went to the British Chamber of Commerce. And Pam always told me that she came back with three CVs um, of you know people my age. They wanted someone with an English mother tongue because a lot of the work is in English and it was just simpler. And so she had three CVs and she said they were all the same, really, but Miss Ford wanted you because my father was in the army and Miss Ford was in the military during the war. And she thought that if my father was in the army, then I would be um, <laughs> efficient and responsible or something. I don't know. I don't know why, but um, that was, it was just my dad that got me the job really. Uh, okay. Well, that's amazing. And uh, yeah, cause my dad speaks very fondly of Miss Ford. He said that she actually did a great job of archiving everything. I don't know. Uh, was she good to work for? Did you meet her? Um, she was. She was a. She was very well. By the time I started, I think she was already in her eighties, um, and she would come to the office at sort of ten thirty and leave again at twelve thirty to go and have lunch, and then come back at two thirty <laughs> okay. and leave at five. And she'd always say to me, "Don't make yourself late, Kate. Don't make yourself late." Um, and she. She did a brilliant job. I mean, she it was very difficult for her to begin with because she was Chaplin asked her to manage his business. He, he, he she'd initially managed 
help them in Switzerland because she was bilingual. She had a, um, a French mother and an English father or okay. vice versa, I'm not sure. And she, so she was bilingual and she was recommended to the chaplains by a friend of theirs. And she went to have to work for them in Switzerland for a bit to help them settle in and do paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And then Chaplin offered her his business management in Paris. And um, she had nothing. She had no contracts, no copyright certificates, no, none of that, no legal documents. And then suddenly there was a spate of pirating of the films in Europe and later in the States. And when she was having to deal with the court cases in um, Europe, she had she had none of the stuff that we have now. Now we have all the documents, the yeah. chains of assignments, etc. She had to sort of go to the States and meet people who used to work for the Chaplin Studios and say, can you remember this? And who did that? And, um, and how can I find the documents? And finally obtained everything and was able to manage manage all the court cases but that was really her her huge accomplishment i think okay um and for archiving um i don't think we would call it archiving now she um, <laughs> wrapped everything in brown paper and tied the parcels up with string with many knots and left them in and everything was stored in the cellar at the Manoir de Bon Switzerland. So oh, it was kept very carefully and dust free. But now, of course, everything is in acid free yeah. um, folders and then acid free boxes okay. and in a state of the art archival deposit place, etc. So it's a bit different now. <laughs> OK, so when you when you um, go for this, I don't know, did you go for a job interview? Would you call it? Yes. So yes. how? I mean, did you know stuff about my grandfather in the in the first place? I'm ashamed, Spencer. I'd never <laughs> seen a Chaplin film in my life. When yeah, Pam phoned me and said that the office worked for the Chaplin family, I had no idea what she was talking about. Okay. I was looking for a job in Paris. I um, And I walked in and there were two rooms. And I remember very, there was a long corridor and then you knocked on the door and you went into one room and there was another room off there. And I met Pam Pommier. And talked to her for a little bit. And she said, well, it's not me that decides anyway. It's not I who decide. It's Miss Ford next door. And you have to go and see her now. So I went and talked to Miss Ford. And she said, it's not I. I don't decide. Pam's decides. You know, you could... <laughs> I thought, what is this place? It's completely balmy. You know, who decides? Because Miss Ford kept saying she was going to retire, and then she didn't. You know, so okay. you know it was she decided anyway. She decided, uh, but it was I knew nothing about Chaplin, and in those days we really did have very very little work um, because Miss Ford said no to virtually everything. She right? was very protective, having dealt with all these pirating cases and seen what happens when prints of films were all over the place and people were just illegally putting together. There was a, there was a, for example, there was a film that was being distributed in the, in the, um, I think it was the early sixties called Il Pellegrino. It was to come from Italy. So that's the Pilgrim, but it wasn't the Pilgrim. It was a bit of payday, a bit of the Pilgrim oh, and a bit of something else. And there were all these sort of weird bootleg things going on. And so Miss Ford, having learned her lesson from that, was just incredibly protective and nobody was allowed to see anything or do anything. And um, then the, the first opening up she did was with um, Una Chaplin's um, agreement, of course, was the unknown Chaplin. Yeah. 
because she met Kevin Branlow and David Gill, who were young men, the boys, she used to call them, um, and thought they were wonderful and so convinced Una Chaplin to allow them to make this three-part documentary, The Unknown Chaplin, which is still one of the best documentaries that exists. Okay. And the second thing that she allowed, sort of allowed, and that, that, that again was Lady Chaplin's decision, was for David Robinson, the his film historian and film critic, to have access to the archives, the papers that nobody had ever, no historian had ever had access to before. And so those were the first two things, British people all, obviously, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. And then then finally Miss Ford retired and Pam started going to film festivals and meeting people and showing them that we were sort of open to discussion for things and then of course in 1989 there was Chaplin's centenary centenary of his birth and um we that was the very first um live orchestral screening we did the city lights with orchestra and um your sister Kira gave a bouquet to princess Diana is that the famous photo the famous photo um and um it's gorgeous she looks she's got a little blue sash exactly um and um and from then on, we developed um, live orchestral screenings and things, and it just opened up. And then Pam retired, and um, Una Chaplin died before Pam retired, and then Pam retired. And um, then it's, it's, it's kind of different because I'm working for the next generation who are a lot more open to yeah. sharing sharing the wonder of Charlie Chaplin with um, people rather than I mean we protect things we're very protective but we also think it's important the more you share the more people will remember him yeah because how how hard do you think it is um kind of sharing about keeping the legacy sort of alive now is it do you find it that it's a difficult job or do you think people are still very much aware of who he was um or is it's it's not a difficult job um, because he's still incredibly famous and he's still an icon and therefore if you whenever I've need whenever I've tried to do something new um, I've always found it much easier to approach people from the chaplain office rather than from the John Bloggs office I mean obviously you say it's the chaplain office and you represent Charlie Chaplin and the Chaplin family they people are immediately interested so that opens a huge number of doors. Um, but and now we I mean, we have a lot more business now than we had in the 90s, for example, because of the Internet on one hand and because we signed a distribu- distribution contract with MK2 in 2001, mm-hmm. um, who were quite a small distribution company, distribution production company at the moment. And they have grown enormously and they have um, made amazing distribution deals all over the world and have done really, really well with Chaplin and looked after the films incredibly well. Um, And that has um, made a huge difference. And the other huge difference is our partnership with the Cineteca di Bologna, where they found the financing from a bank foundation um, I used to thank the Casa di Risparmio di Bologna every morning when I got up um, to finance the scanning and cataloging of the of the Chaplin archives. So the archives are also online, which means that people can research. And there have just been more and more and more books. I and mean, you can't imagine how many new books there are. And now people are doing comic books, graphic novels. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's just kind of it seems to just go on and on and on. 
Yeah. So it's, it's getting more. It's not, it's, getting, it's in, in answer to your question, it's, it's actually less difficult now than it was, say, 15 years ago. Okay, that's a, actually quite an interesting answer. I would have expected sort of the opposite. But I guess, as you say, the family are more open to, uh, to options than before. Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, Kira mentioned to me that apparently, you can tell me if this is true, Charlie was one of the first people to copyright his image. Is that true? Um, he didn't copyright his image. He, um, there was the, so he was very famous. He made lots of films and so lots of people imitated him. So there were lots of fake Charlie Chaplin films Mm -hmm. and he didn't really care so much himself, I think, because he was more interested in his own art, but it was the distribution companies that he worked for at the time who, um, were not too keen that people were doing fake Chaplin films. And so um, if you look at the, the 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 films he did for First National, for example, which start with A Dog's Life, Shoulder yeah. Arms, 1918, there's a the, the, they open with him signing his name. You can actually, it's a film of his hand signing his sure. name. And that was one of the things to say, this is the real Charlie Chaplin film. It's not one of those fake imitators things. So that was the beginning. And then there was um, a guy called Charles Amador, who made, I think he was from South America, who made a series of films um, with a character called Charlie Applin. And it was, I mean, it was just Charlie Chaplin. He was just looked like, and this, that guy Chaplin took to court and won. And in the court judgment, there's a photograph. Actually, I think it's this one. Oh, is it? This photograph, um, actually in the in, in the in the court judgment and it says this is Chaplin's tramp this is the tramp and it is an artistic creation and you may not imitate him so in that way yes he was one of the first people to sort of copyright his image because the judge an American judge said this is this is this belongs to Charlie Chaplin okay. mm. yeah well crazy so what's interesting as well is that you went from not knowing anything to, I don't think I know anyone that knows more about Chaplin than you. And I know it's your job, but I mean, you've saved me a lot of times for this podcast as well. Like I can just call you up and be like, okay, uh, Nick Rhodes wants to know about this one tiny specific railroad journey. Can you help? I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and you know exactly right away. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's kind of sad really, isn't it? In a way, I mean, that's all I know about. I don't know about anything else. And it's kind of pathetic, you know. Um, I'm always happy to help. Though. No, it's, I mean, that's no, that's also one of the reasons why I've been here for so long, because it's, it's still interesting. I mean, that you learn, I still learn new things about him. I still discover new documents, things I haven't read before. Um, um, I don't know if you've seen at the um, Chaplin's World, the exhibition on the great dictator that they have at the yet. moment. Yeah. Um, I haven't been either, um, a bit stuck in France, but um, it's we had the idea of doing that exhibition because um, we found some photographs belonging to the granddaughter of Dan James, who was Chaplin's assistant, one of Chaplin's assistant okay. directors on the set of The Great Dictator, and um, they were just a revelation, and, and it, they were, it was so exciting, and then so in order to set up the, ex- to, to create the exhibition, I started reading all the around the great dictator which is something i don't usually have time to do i love the archives very much but because i'm supposed to be um doing business um and licensing and things i don't much have time to to read the archives but this was a a plan for an exhibition so i was allowed to and it was just incredible reading all the different scripts and the different the scenes that he he 
rejected. And um, one of the photographs in the exhibition is Chaplin holding a chimpanzee, well, Hinkle holding in his uniform, oh, holding okay. a chimpanzee. And in the scripts, you find that, well, first of all, Hinkle had a wife who was completely excluded from the final film. Yeah. And um, she was to be played by Fanny Bryce, who was a hilarious Jewish um, comedienne. You can find her on YouTube and you can really see the, the extra joke it would have been to have her being Mrs. Hinkle because she's just completely Jewish and Hinkle was against the Jews, obviously, as Hitler was. Mm -hmm. um, and she had a pet chimpanzee. And the pet chimpanzee, um, Hinkle's playing the piano in a concert one evening for all his guests, and the chimpanzee goes completely mad and takes fish out of the aquarium and delivers them to posh ladies' laps and plays with their pearls and things. So all sorts of funny jokes like that 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 we don't didn't really know if we hadn't sort of paid attention to the, that. And now it's fun to reveal stuff like that. I love yeah. that. And didn't they um, didn't they find uh, Hinkle's uh, costume as well from someone? They found, yes, it was announced just before, a couple of months before the exhibition was about to open. It, um, some, a foundation, um, somebody famous, actually, I can't remember his name, um, uh, uh, a rich Swiss industrial died and um, okay. he had a huge collection of artwork and things. And um, one of the things that was said to the press as things that the people going through all his collections, cataloging his collections have found was a costume from, was Hinkle's costume, one of Hinkle's costume from the great dictator. So we managed mm -hmm. to get that for Chaplin's well. Amazing. Really mm -hmm. cool. And um, so what, what would you say is the quirkiest request you've had? Cause I know you get emails in every day or people calling every day, the craziest or quirkiest. Uh, request oh goodness me um we get kind of personal requests i mean you know very sort of horrid personal inquiries we've had some very rude things like you know um <laughs> um about chaplain and things that we just kind of say no very yeah. sorry there's nobody living who would be able to answer that question <laughs> and things like that um the funniest thing that what not so much a request but I got a phone call once from a guy in Belgium who who said his daughter was a medium and she had a very urgent message for Una Chaplin from um from Charlie and um, so could he please have Una Chapman's telephone number so that this message could be um, passed on? And he went on and on and on. And, and, and I said, you know, and finally I said, well, it's a bit odd because if Charlie really did have something to say to Una, he could tell her himself, seeing as she's been dead since 1991. And, <laughs> and the guy was completely devastated by this news because... Um, you know, this terribly important message for Una that Charlie had transmitted to his daughter, which I never knew what it was, the message, because he, he just hung up, hung up and that was that. <laughs> that was the funniest, I think. I enjoyed that, that very much because I let him talk for ages and then finally I just said, um. <laughs> and what would you say is the most common sort of request? What do people want to use most? Um yeah. Um, we get a lot of requests for um, use of the a photo from modern times of the factory scene, the cogs and things. Whenever anybody, magazine, whatever, is doing a thing about work, the the work situ, you know, what's the work, the workplace, the difficulties of the workplace, the um, etc. Modern times is often used to illustrate that. 
Um, we get many requests for the final speech of the great dictator, especially at the moment. Um, when, for, but that's, for example, when Trump was elected, we had quite a few requests from people in the States wanting to use the speech yeah. um, against him for their own, you know, little associations yeah. or clubs or whatever. And, and we, we just said, no, sorry, um, we don't do politics. Whatever Chaplin himself may have thought and whatever we can, we, we presume he would think in this particular instance, it's not for us to... Um, I mean, that's under instructions from the family, of course, we have that response. Um, and um, what else do we get? And, and sadly, not, I mean, quite often we, I, I don't know if people know this, but um, obviously, you know, Spencer, um, Chaplin composed music to all to the films that we own and manage. Mm -hmm. So he started composing music when the film came out in 1931 for the City Lights. And after that, every film that was released was released with his own music. But then in the late 50s and 60s and early 70s, he went back to his earlier shorts from 1918 onwards and um, composed music for them. So the films that we distribute have his soundtracks on them. And that is the ones that we say have to be screened. And often poor composers phone us up and say, I've spent the last 18 months composing a new score for modern times. Yeah. Um, and I need the film now. So it can be, my score can be performed or, or not it, well, modern times only once, but the circus, we get quite a few things for and the kid as well. And it, you just think, well, you know, people assume that because these things are so old, they're not no longer protected by copyright. And that's not the case. And in many countries of the world. And, and so it just seems you would have thought the first thing to do would be to Check see how long copyright lasts. And in many countries, it lasts for 70 years after the artist's author's death. And, you know, Chaplin died in 1977. So, duh, um, <laughs> very sorry if you spent, you know, six months writing a score, but you could have um, thought of that before, you know, anyway. Uh, that's quite sad yeah. yeah no i remember when i came to the office for the couple of weeks i was there and you gave me the task of listening to all the people that had requests they sent a song in with the great dictator speech on it and i just remember there were so many songs and you'd get like the weirdest music you'd either you'd have like some really nice i don't know pop song or something but then after eventually you'd run into some crazy punk guy with like every guitar is going for it and then they're using this it was amazing to see how many people wanted to use it yeah well we we decided early on that um it wasn't for us to judge the music you know obviously we you know i do not like hard rock very much um but um if they if they're not modifying the speech distorting the the sound of the of the original sound recording of, of Chaplin's voice in any way then as long as that's fine within the context of the song and the lyrics of their song are not defamatory or political or whatever we we tend to license the yeah. rights as much as we can yeah and as well like you were talking about the importance of the internet um Arnold as you said your assistant does an amazing job for all the online stuff um and on youtube i think you have like a, a crazy amount of followers so i think we have um i, I can you know, millions yes like i don't know 28 that 28 million views a month or something of, really? of, of the sort of montage am i is that am i saying that wrong arnold come and come and show yourself in this <laughs> 
Uh, he's, I've lost him. He's the one who knows about um, how many. Come, this is this is Arnold. Everybody. Hello, Arnold. Thanks, sir. I'm liking the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> good, how are you? Fine. How are you? Good. So I'm t we're talking about the YouTube. So how many subscribers and how many views a month do you think you guys? Make? Um, subscribers like two point four million or something. Wow. And it grows every day. Yeah, that's it. And that's yeah, we get over 20 million views a month. That's really cool. Huh? And you can find most clips and and even home videos and stuff on there, can't you? For people to mm -hmm. go check out. Home videos, um, visitors to the Chaplin Studios, archival uh, videos. Okay. We don't. We can't put whole films up um, because we have an exclusive distribution deal with MK2, and they have exclusive, given exclusive rights to um, their distributors. And so, I mean, if the whole, if the entire films are up on the internet and put there by us, then there's no point people distributing them. So, um, but we'll put clips yeah. um, okay. under five minutes long online, and um, and uh, interesting archives. What's your favorite thing, Kate, about being in the office? I mean, my favorite thing is the archives. I think the archives are yeah. absolutely fascinating. And um, in Montreux, we have um, deposited, where the original archives are deposited, we also have about 100 scrapbooks of press clippings. I mean, and, and when I say scrapbooks, I mean sort of enormous really? scrapbooks. And they have not been scanned. And they are really um, an incredible tool to read about. I mean, obviously, everything's nearly everything is Chaplin chaplain oriented but um it's um it, you get a huge and an amazing view of the century of the 20th of the of the 20th century from 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 looking through these and how it, the people took i mean I, this is still the same now worse but people took photos of him wherever he went whatever he was doing tennis match you know golf club this that yeah. dinner um, and it's, you know, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And also that has been a huge help because we obviously have an enormous photo archive. And, um, when in the, in the olden days, whenever you were, if you were rich and kind of well-known or not well-known, but from the aristocracy say, and you visited Hollywood, you went to see the Chapman studios and often you had your photo taken, you know, but Chaplin would interrupt his work and have his photo taken with you. We had lots and lots of photographs of people. We had absolutely no idea who they were mm. because they weren't famous. They, you know, now or or even then, Mr. and Mrs. Bloggs, so he was the, dis the UK distributor of such and such a film or something, you know. And we've managed to identify nearly all of the photographs through the press clippings because oh, really? they had their photos taken and then they were in the papers. That's so cool. And so that's really great. We've that's been that was they've been a huge help for for cataloging the, the archives. And okay, so quickly describe a typical work day for you guys. What does it usually entail? You want to get a chair. Get a chair. Uh. Sit down. <laughs> um, typical work day. Um, typical work day. I don't know. We get in and um, we have I don't know. Let's say. I mean, slightly less at the moment because of COVID, but I would say 20 new emails in the morning, mostly yeah. new requests, new, we want to screen a film, what do we have this morning, someone in America with a small cinema wants that we have to put in touch with our distributors in America. Um, the so right now, live orchestral screenings, um, 
are picking back up. Last year with COVID, there oh, were many yeah. cancellations for all kinds of cultural events. Yes. A lot of them are, are last minute because um, people are trying to organize things now that, um, now that they're, now they're free again. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, so a typical day is, is answering emails, writing contracts for that kind of thing, sending invoices. Um, I mean, basically, we spend our days both of us at, at our computers yeah um it's kind of just it's just admin really massive massive amounts of admin and you get a lot of uh relatives that want to kind of get in touch that we've never heard of as well there is a south african branch of chaplains that you are related to somehow i'm not quite sure okay. but there i mean yeah chaplain was as i mean as i'm sure you know there was a charles chaplain who was a quite famous painter yeah. in france yeah, in yeah, yeah. um 1800s, 1700s? I don't know. Anyway, but I mean, he, his his paintings come up for auction quite quite often. So I mean, Chaplin was is and Chaplin were were not um, unknown names. And in fact, Ono Hiroyuki, who's a, a, a Chaplin scholar in Japan, yeah, sent us an email last week saying that in the archives there was a the will of Henry Chaplin, and from 1700 and something, I think it is. Okay. And but he didn't understand because there was no Henry Chaplin on um, the family tree in David Robinson's biography. And so who was Henry Chaplin? And I just had to write back and say, oh, no, we've absolutely no idea who Henry <laughs> Chaplin is, nor why we have this beautiful handwritten will. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. for some reason we have it. So there must be some link yeah. somehow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the family's big enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. And so okay, finally what any interesting exciting projects or anything that you can discuss or share with anyone that you can think of? We have a very nice um kid stamp that came out in France um a few months ago. Um but it's only for foreign out, outside France um postage. So we um know if you can see it. Oh, it's backwards, oh, yeah, nice. of course. Yeah, it's no, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Anyway, so so that's that was quite fun. Um, we well, I mean, exhibitions were put off. There was an exhibition supposed to be starting in Tokyo in September. That's not okay. happening now. Maybe it'll happen. A big exhibition from the Musée de l'Elysée. Um, Sam Stordze has been in touch to um, because people are interested in having that great exhibition, Chaplin in Pictures. Yeah. Um, that was on in Europe about 10 years ago. Well, that's going to start a new career of going around. Amazing. Chaplin's World um, is still going strong. And yeah, yeah. next year, they're preparing a temporary exhibition around the kid and Chaplin's childhood. Um, and, you know, obviously their usual activities will carry on as usual, COVID permitting. Um, but that, you know, that was one of our really biggest projects, the Chaplin's World Um museum in switzerland it took such a long time to get off the ground and then once finally all the people came together it was you know the content what what what's going to be in there and we we enjoyed it a lot actually didn't we kind Mm -hmm. of coming up with ideas and um choosing documents archival documents to to exhibit and um and things and then of course hardly anybody looks at them well that's the thing but what i love about the museum though is that everyone that I know that goes there, even like huge, huge Chaplin fans, uh, like, uh, you know, Michael Cartelloni from The Drummer, he, he went there and there's lots of stuff that he said he, he learned 
which is good. Which yes, is good. Which is the main the thing, isn't it? That's the point. People like Michael would 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 have read the documents. That that's really <laughs> good to hear because I know he didn't want to go. He was mm. very reluctant. He mm. thought he wouldn't like it. Um, and I, I know a lot of really big Chaplin fans who were kind of thinking, oh, you know, and it's got waxworks and mm-hmm, yeah. it's, it's kind of it's like a it's like a theme park. It's not a museum, but yeah. that's the wonder of Chaplin's world. It is. It manages to be a fun museum for people who just want to go in saying oh this is really nice um yeah wow look at that and then have their photo taken and everything and then people who really want to learn can you know there's lots masses of film clips lots of documents to read and and it's such a beautiful place as well yeah, i mean no, really as nice. you, you grew up there for goodness sake didn't you well perhaps not grew up but you were there for oh uh, no i i mean i was there until my late teens Oh, were you? Yeah, okay. yeah pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, uh-huh. no, I was extremely lucky. I appreciate it more now that it's the museum. I really look back and I actually appreciate it more that I got to grow up there. Well, it was just normal living in a mansion with a huge <laughs> well, garden and the yeah. sort of view of the lake and the mansion. Hanging out by the swimming pool, you know, you're oblivious to the outside world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My goodness. Anyway, mm. so, hey, guys, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you and, for inviting and, me. Yeah, thank, thank you for inviting me. And and you know, anybody who wants to know anything or contact us, exactly. um, you know, um, we can be easily found www.charliechaplin.com. Yeah. Um, and um, we're happy to help anybody who has a project or is interested in anything. I know it's actually as well. You guys will answer any questions whatsoever which is uh, great it doesn't matter how big or small the person is they'll always get a very fast response yeah that's mm-hmm. what we're here for <laughs> amazing <laughs> guys i can't thank you enough huh thank you spencer thank, thank you, you.